Welcome to Vision of Zion. I'm Craig Perry. I'm here again with our guest, Sean White. This is episode number 26. We're continuing our discussion about his near-death experience and the things that he remembered that were kept from his memory as a younger person. And then as he got older and as certain events occurred, he began to recall these events. We ended the last podcast talking about the Lord's simple requirement to ask, seek, and knock in order to receive angelic administration and blessings. And Sean, I just wanted to say, this made me think about when there were uh, deadly serpents released among the children of Israel, and the Lord prepared a way for them to be um, saved, which was uh, Moses lifted up a brass serpent. As we know, this has become a very big symbol in medicine. The medicine symbol of the serpent or serpents. Uh, I don't have a clear memory of how the, you know, the the icon goes, but that's a reference back to the healing that occurred with the brass serpent. And the Book of Mormon says that uh, there were people who would not look at the brass serpent because it was too easy, because of the easiness of the thing, they wouldn't look. And you're saying that you wit- you witness this and you understand this as well. Yes, it is such a simple thing, but it's an act of faith on our part in a way to me, as I've seen, taking one step forward changes everything, you know, looking forward or asking Heavenly Father as we try to make one step forward, everything changes. Beautiful. Well, let's segue into this next topic about the tribulations is there such a period of time called the tribulations and there's a sign that seems to precede the tribulation. So yes or no, uh, you've kind of alluded to it already, but is there going to be a period of time which has been known or called the tribulations? Yes, I definitely saw in many scriptures reference it a period of time before the savior comes in which I saw the first three and a half years were a shakening of those that say they are believe in Christ to see if they truly will stand with Christ under all circumstances and under all things. So if you were to take your money away, would you damn Christ or would you cuss him for taking it away? Or would you just be grateful and, and know that he will, come you know that he has a plan for you but he will try you in many different ways could be your health or whatever and then the second three and a half years was a period of time when the wicked are separated and then they are killed and taken away in preparation for his coming at the end of this three and a half so that's why uh is it true that the second so it's a total of seven years and the second half or the the latter three and a half years um, that's when we hear that things get worse or it's it's a worse time, but I guess it's a worse time for the wicked during that latter three and a half. It, it is. The one thing that I want to bring up, though, as in an experience that I saw, there's always this undercurrent. So as as everybody's having trials and troubles and being shaken up and the world looks terrible, the undercurrent or the underlying fact is those that believe in Christ and everything are strengthened and become stronger and stronger. And they're not bothered 
by the tribulation so much, or they're not bothered by the fear and things that's come up because they have a sure knowledge of the plan of salvation and how Christ can be there for us. So there's like two things going on at once, and each one becomes stronger and stronger. And uh, today in our in our uh, priesthood meeting, we talked about Elder Gong's talk, the term, and they lived happily ever after, and how he characterized the gospel as truly being that. And there's a great deal of joy, not just in the future tense, but in this life, we are expected and and can have great joy in spite of what's going on around us. I found that to be so true with all the accidents and injuries I've had and yet learning at the same time and feeling comforted by the other side. So let's talk about this this major sign that seems to uh, foretell that the the end times are uh, and the times that we're going to really prepare in earnest for the second coming are really at our doorsteps. And what I want to refer to is Revelation chapter 12 that you mentioned. Now, did you happen to be so let me I'm sorry, let me let me back up a little bit. In 2017, I was writing this book that I've yet to publish about future events from and as listed in the scriptures. And I became aware of this uh I, I was studying Revelation, the book of Revelation, and I was very tuned in to chapter 12 was one of the chapters I was looking at and had gone over this chapter. I can't tell you how many times. And then <clears throat> began to hear about this uh, this first verse, which I would like to read and then ask you, and then I want to read it two ways. I want to read it as it's written in the book of uh, the King James Version of Revelation 12, verse 1. And I also want to read the uh, Joseph Smith translation. I've discussed Joseph Smith's inspired uh, reworking of some of the verses, reordering of the verses, and in some cases, uh, terminology has been changed or altered, and we believe as members of the church that he was uh, commanded by the Lord to make these corrections so that we could have a fullness of the truth as set forth in the Bible as it was originally either written or intended. So let me read uh, Revelation 12.1. Here's what it says. And there appeared a great wonder in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet and upon her head a crown of 12 stars. Now, let me go read the uh, Joseph Smith translation. And there appeared a great sign in heaven in the likeness of things on the earth, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet and upon her head a crown of 12 stars. Now, I was reading a lot of evangelical interpretations about Revelation 12.1, and then, of course, this this twist by uh, Joseph Smith that it's a sign, and it's going. what happens in the heavens is going to happen on the earth. So there's this uh, parallel uh, spiritual sign. Now, the first thing I'd like to say, Sean, and well, let me ask you a question, actually, before I... Uh, offer up some of my impressions this there there is a there was a sign that occurred in september late september i don't remember if it was a, the 21st the 23rd but was it was it the same day that you were at this uh pageant that you uh that this was fulfilled in some, the minds of many people um 
I was, it actually was at the pageant in August, but I could see the stars very clearly that night in the direction I was facing, preparing for this to pass through the woman's womb. And that got me thinking a lot and praying a lot and trying to read different verses to understand this segment here. Okay, now it wasn't August. There was, there was a significant thing that happened in August of 2017. Was that the eclipse that happened in August of 2017? Or was, I might be wrong on that, but there was some uh, event in the heavens, I think, that occurred in August of 2017. I believe you're right with the TAV and it crossing across the United States in a certain pattern. I'd need to look up the date again, but there was a lot of excitement, especially northern Utah and especially in Idaho, southern Idaho, to get there where you could see this total eclipse. Okay, so it looks like the eclipse did occur. I don't want to I don't want to misspeak. So I'm gonna kind of look this up while we're talking, but I remember there was something big that occurred in August of 2017. And uh, I believe that was the date. And of course, the next one's coming in April, I believe of 2024. It's coming up quickly. That's hard to believe it's been almost seven years since that last one. But anyway, so what what I learned is there's this program that I was able to uh, download on my computer. I'm sorry, I don't have the name of the program right now. It's not important for purposes of our discussion. But here was the setup in, in the heavenly constellation. So in the month of September, there are uh, there's a certain alignment that occurs in Virgo. Virgo is a woman. I think she's the only uh, uh, constellation that is a female under our current uh, assignment of what these stars might, you know, indicate. And... Uh, on September, I believe it was the 23rd. Again, we can get the exact date. Uh, this constellation that, that was there. And then there came in t- the moon is uh, is uh, was below her feet. If you were to drop the constellation Virgo, this the sun was on the shoulder on her shoulder. And there were these additional planets that came into the uh, picture right above the head of Virgo. I think it was Mercury, Venus, and another one. I don't remember the planets, but there were, if you counted up the number, there was a total of, there were 12 stars. If you count the planets as stars, there were 12. But what the amazing part was, and I, I did a lot of research on this, so this is all just coming off of memory. The interesting part is that Jupiter, the planet Jupiter, the king planet, went into Virgo kind of through the side and then into the womb area where it, uh, there's a term for it, but it, it went up and down. If you fast forward through the, the constellation for the prior, believe it or not, it was uh, a little over nine months. So the same length of time as a gestation of a child, uh, Jupiter, the planet, remained in the constellation Virgo, moving up and down and around. And then finally exiting out between what would have been Virgo's legs. Uh, and that happened, uh, I can't remember. I got the exact, uh, I, I wrote all this out so we can go over to great detail in the future. But basically, this this Jupiter exited the womb area of Virgo, I believe it was between August and September of 
of a 19, excuse me, of a 2017. And so is this, first of all, is there anything that I've said that does not fit your understanding? No, you got exactly right. Uh, the interesting thing to me is this September 23rd, 2017 is, was also Rosh, ha- Rosh Hashanah. Rosh Hashanah, which is the same day the Jewish people believe that Adam and Eve were placed in the garden. So they hold this as one of the most sacred dates on the calendar. And uh, to coincide with this, along with the fact that this happened in 18, was it 1823 with Joseph Smith? I can't remember the exact year, but on this date, Joseph Smith had quite a visitation on the same day. So, and it was Rosh Hanish, the day that it happened in, uh, in the 1800s with Joseph Smith. Yes, let me let me add some more flesh to that uh, issue because I did go back and research this carefully. So we all know, members of the church know anyway that if they that uh, Joseph Smith, um, when he was 17 years old, that would have been 1823. He was uh, had a vision or an angel appeared, Angel Moroni, and said there was a buried book of gold plates not far from his home. And he went to go get them out after four different visits that night and the next morning. But he was told he wasn't ready. He was from a poor family. He had thoughts of taking the gold plates and maybe cashing in, help his family out. The angel said, you're not ready. Come back next year. That occurred for four years. So the actual date that he was able to get the plates out of the hill, which was buried in a stone box with some other items, was 1827. And 1827, uh, I went and looked at the calendar. Well, first of all, uh, if you look at the date, I think he they got them. It was the night of September 21. And by the way, Rosh Hashanah doesn't always fall on those days. It, it's all over the place because it's it's based on lunar positioning, as I recall. So mm-hmm. sometimes, sometimes it lands around that date, but not every year. So what what I what I saw uh, is that. He retrieved the plates on the night of the 21st. He put them in a log, but he didn't actually take them home and have them in his possession until guess when? September 23rd of 1827. And if you go back and you look at the alignment of the stars, some of these stars are always in alignment. I mean, uh, Virgo, uh, the moon and the sun occurs every September, but the 12 stars or the position of Jupiter that's what makes the constellation extremely rare. But I found some very powerful similarities between Joseph Smith and what the constellation did on September 23rd of 1827. And I've I've gone through the program because you can go backward in time and these programs will show you where all the stars were. Oh, it's called Stellarium, I think. It's the name of the program if you want to download it and play with it. But uh, fast, fast, uh, fast forward, it's so interesting that Rosh Hashanah, Joseph Smith's removal of the plates, because this is clearly an important date. And then the uh, the woman giving birth to this this child in in 2017 is extremely telling. <laughs> I mean, powerful. And I wanted to say one more thing before I uh, start asking you some questions, Sean, is uh, that uh, um, signs don't mean that the event is occurring right then and there. Signs precede 
or our signposts for events coming in the near future. And so uh, some people thought, and I wondered and speculated whether the tribulations began right then. But as I thought and pondered about other things that had to happen, it didn't seem to me that they had to align perfectly. That uh, you could have a sign just like if you're on the freeway and it says, hey, a mile ahead, get off this exit because that's where you need to, that's where you're going. It was a very powerful sign that the Lord was ready to do what? Well, you have to study what the woman is and what the child is to understand what's about to unfold. Because remember, the Joseph Smith translation says, it was a sign in the heavens of things that would happen on the earth. So it's a very important, significant sign. And that combination of Jupiter and Jupiter remaining in the womb, I counted the number of weeks. And it was a late, <laughs> a late term pregnancy, but it was literally uh, the same amount of weeks that would be normally expected for a, for a child. In fact, it was like, I think it was like maybe two weeks more than uh, a normal pregnancy. But my, my son came two weeks late. Uh, it's not uncommon to miss the mark. So the tardiness to me was also another interesting layer to this because, um, you know, this child being born, the, lo the Lord waited and waited. And it was finally, finally, this woman who was pained to be delivered, it says, and that would make sense too, because that, that child gets larger in the womb if it's a little bit late. Uh, your thoughts, Sean? I, I just think also to not discount the Jewish people in them saying that coordinated with the Garden of Eden. And that's so powerful to me as the, the Jewish people count the years, you know, of the earth and things from that point. And, of course, we know that they had a period of time in the Jewish people that they couldn't account for about 13 years in their cycle, you know, because of the times when they were scattered times when their temple was torn down and they were pushed around and things. So they lost a few years there in their counting, but that still brings us in their calendar system to within, you know, like 13 years or something, which is fantastic. As I recall, Sean, the year of the eclipse and the year of 2017, uh, the Jewish calendar shows that it was 5,777 in 2017. And, you know, now we have this path and they're called TAVs where the shadow of this eclipse came across the United States. And now we have this one coming in April, I want to say 6th or 7th of 2024. And it's interesting that it forms an X or a TAV across the United States where, and the interesting correlation of this where they run over each other is called Mud Lake. But it's very close to Adamondi Almond, where we know we'll have the final meeting and everything. It's just so, like, can this be coincidence that these things are occurring? I'd like to add some more commentary to that. Uh, the eclipse was August 21st of 2017. And the full eclipse, uh, some people I've heard talk about who are members of our church they point this out, and maybe others have too, is that it passed over seven cities, I think it was, with the name Salem. But let me tell you what I noticed as I saw this path of the eclipse from Oregon across our country. What I noticed was that um, the full eclipse uh, literally 
uh, covered the areas where the pioneers, the Mormon pioneers traveled. It goes from Missouri to a part of uh, Iowa, Nebraska, and the same path that the eclipse followed um, covered that until you get to like Idaho. And then, of course, the saints uh, at some point drop down into what is now Utah. But for a good part of the eclipse travel, it covered all the areas. In fact, my parents were in Independence, Missouri, when the eclipse occurred in in, uh, 2017. And to go a little further with what you said, the next eclipse is going to occur in April of 2024. Not only does it cross over uh, where you mentioned Adam on Diamond is close by, but it also crosses over where the New New Madrid fault line is, which the, I think the largest earthquake that has ever occurred in the history of our country, in the contiguous 48 anyway, uh, in the in the uh, what year was it, 1811, 1812, somewhere in there. We'll go look that up later. There was a massive earthquake uh, that occurred that people couldn't even walk back to their homes. They were falling down on the ground. And but for the fact that the population was so small in that area at the time, there would have been a lot more death and destruction than there was. Uh, and it was felt all the way to the East Coast. So it's an interesting, you know, does X marks a spot for something in the future? Yeah, there's people prophesying about uh, a massive earthquake occurring in that area in the future. And the last thing I want to say, Sean, before I turn it back over to you, <clears throat> is that the the eclipse of 2024 is going to fully eclipse all the areas that the members of the church, uh, the call them the, the Mormon, uh, early Mormon pioneers, that they traveled from. It, it goes, it crosses over the New York area where Joseph Smith and the restoration of the gospel began. It covers uh, Kirtland, Ohio, if I remember correctly, covers Pennsylvania for sure, right down through that whole area where they were traveling. So I just find it interesting that that, <laughs> that eclipse is so uh, superimposed over many of and covers the land area of many of the early travels of the Latter-day Saints. You know, in one of my experiences, there's several things I'd like to mention about this, but that tab line that we were just talking about, the shadow, I, following those ancient routes or the routes of the pioneers and so forth, I was shown that that's part of in Isaiah, the highways of holiness or the ways of holiness that are prepared for safe travel for God's children that the servant, you know, is protecting and things of that way. And so we can talk more about that in a later episode, but I've read a lot about that earthquake in, I believe, 1811 and how early uh, trappers and things could not find their way across the Mississippi and through that area because the stream had changed so much. Uh, features had dropped off in and fallen down and it just became quite an obstacle to go through in those times. Um, See, there was a third thing that I wanted to mention. Can't think of right now, but oh yes. Um, One of the things that was most definite about my experience and could probably go into it later, but there were were certain signs that people thought coming up were the sign of like the savior coming on that exact time. And they had gathered and assembled. And I was in part of this vision. I was sitting below a hill and looking at all the people gathered around this hilltop. And the day came and went and the sign came and went 
and Christ didn't appear. And the people were just becoming stirred up to anger and things. In fact, family members were starting to get angry with family members and others started tormenting others. And it began to be a great persecution because they were sure because of this sign that it was going to happen exactly on this day. And it just began a whole series of events with persecution. Well, that sounds like a parallel with the Book of Mormon when Samuel the Lamanite said five years from now, <clears throat> there's going to be a day and a night and a day as if it were one day. And people thought it was a little delayed and they they had set aside a time to to kill people who continued to believe in the prophecy. And then on the day that was set aside for um, basically killing people for believing that prophecy, that's the very day that they were spared with the sign coming. And I, I saw Heavenly Father kept telling me over and over again that the pattern of his first coming is the pattern of his second coming so that it shouldn't be a surprise to us. If we really study it out, there should be no surprise. Wow. The, the Savior in Matthew 24 calls it the sign of the coming of the Son of Man. I referred to it earlier in another podcast, Alfred Douglas Young saw, just like you described with what you saw, he said he saw saints going out to meet the Savior when they saw the sign, and they kept marching out, and then they were disappointed. It wasn't, he wasn't there yet, and they marched out a few times to follow the sign, and, and then nothing happened, And then, but eventually he did come, big time, <laughs> so... So that's that totally um, corroborates what you saw as well. Well, we're going to take a break again. This will be the end of uh, podcast 26. And maybe in, in the next podcast, uh, 27, Sean, we're going to talk about the tribulations. All right? Sounds great. Thank you. All right. This is Vision of Zion. Uh, Craig Perry uh, interviewing Sean White. <laughs> 